0: Have you seen the latest rage? People eating Tide laundry detergent pods. Have you seen this? People are, are eating these Tide pods and then they're posting it on social media, on Facebook. And the results can be quite devastating. Uh, the chemicals that are in those uh, laundry detergent pods apparently can, can burn the mouth, the digestive tract, and some have even died from ingesting these things. It leaves us asking the question, why on earth? Why on earth would anyone want to take a laundry detergent pod and eat it? But it points to something. It points to the fact that that people are seeking something, seeking a thrill, seeking some kind of adventure. And that reminds us that there's something in the human heart that longs for something more, something greater. You see, to be compelled to eat a laundry detergent, it's hard to even imagine that we're talking about this. To be compelled to eat that says that something has gone wrong. There, there's something in our hearts that, that isn't right, that, that seeking after purpose and meaning in, in the wrong places And so what does give our life meaning? What does bring some sense into our lives? What 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 what's the point of all of this? What is life about? These are the questions that that we want to think about together this morning. We'll be in Philippians chapter one, beginning in verse 18. And we'll look at what gave the apostle Paul's life meaning. Well, what gave his life purpose? And it'll help us think together about the purpose of our own lives. The, the meaning that, that, that we should uh, have in, in our own lives. Now when Paul wrote the letter uh, to the Philippians, um, he was in prison. He was in prison and he was writing to the church at Philippi uh, to encourage them along in the faith. So let's look at Philippians 1 beginning in verse 18. And we'll begin near the end of verse 18. Yes... And I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. This text teaches that the purpose of life is to make much of Jesus. The purpose of life is to make much of Jesus. Our, our text gives three ways that we make much of Jesus in this life. First, to make much of Jesus, take joy in the salvation of God and in his help. Take joy in the salvation of God and in his help. Look there in verse 18. Paul says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Now, in the verses that we looked at last week, the verses before these, Paul was focused on his present circumstances. And and he was saying, I'm in prison, but I have joy because the gospel's advancing. But now, here at the end of verse 18, his focus becomes on the future, what the future holds. And what we see in Paul is that as he looks ahead, he is filled with joy. Now, remember that Paul is in prison and it's possible that he will die for his faith. It's possible that Paul will be killed because of his faith, that he'll stand before the Roman government and will suffer death. So as Paul's looking ahead, he, he's not sure what is ahead. He Again, as we come to the end of these verses, we'll see that he has an idea of what he expects to happen, but he's not positive. But instead of fretting, what's Paul doing? He's living in the midst of these really difficult circumstances. I'm in prison. I could die. And yet he says, I'm going to continue to rejoice. There's something we, we need to get here. All throughout the book of Philippians, there's an emphasis on joy because joy is supposed to be a trademark of the Christian. It's supposed to mark and characterize our lives. As we walk close to Jesus The result is joy. And that's what we see in Paul. As he looks to the future, his heart is filled with joy. And one of the main reasons is because his life wasn't about himself. He wasn't just caught up in himself. Paul's life was about loving Jesus and making Jesus known. And so Paul says, I'm I'm going to rejoice because I know that this will lead to my salvation or to my deliverance. And it could be that Paul was saying, I fully expect that I'm going to be released from prison. But I think Paul is saying something more here. I think he's saying that ultimately, as I walk with Christ, all of this that I'm going through will one day lead to my salvation, my ultimate salvation when I stand before God. In fact, there in verse 19, Paul cites Job, chapter 13, verse 16. And if you remember the Old Testament character of Job, Job faced unbelievable trials. He faced all kinds of heartache, immense suffering, and it wasn't because he had sinned or done something wrong. But Job's friends went to him and said, Job, the reason that you're suffering, the reason, the reason that you're facing this is because you've been sinful, because you've done this or because you've done that. Why don't you confess your sins to God and, and then he'll release you from suffering? But Job said in chapter 13 verse 16, If I stood before God in the heavenly court, I know that your human judgment would not stand. I know that I would be delivered. And here Paul, as he suffers in prison, is finding encouragement in the character of Job. Job faced suffering and yet God sustained him. And here Paul says, I fully expect that when I stand before God on that final day, I will be saved. So if they take my life from me, they can't ultimately take my life that's what's Paul saying I will ultimately be delivered I will know salvation and he says through your prayers understand that Paul's faithfulness to God in the midst of his imprisonment he connects his faithfulness and his ability to to keep going to the prayers of the Philippians now this is the apostle Paul he is the man when it comes to serving Christ and following Christ and yet what's he saying to the Philippians And I'm dependent upon your prayers. I need them. And it reminds us of how important it is to to, to pray for brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul was relying on this family of faith, on their prayers, to strengthen him. Not only that, what does he say? That that he's counting on the Spirit. In verse 19, he says that, that I would receive help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So while Paul sat in this prison and he could not escape... He recognized that God hadn't abandoned him. God hadn't left him alone. You see, when a person comes to know Jesus, the Scriptures teach us that when we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says that the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So so Paul's saying, you know what? I'm in prison, but you Philippians are praying for me. That's helping me. But not only that, the spirit of God is within me and he strengthens me. I'm not alone here. I'm not walking in this path by myself. I fully expect that one day I'll stand before God saved and one of the ways that I'll be able to stand before him is because you lifted me up in prayer because the spirit was my help. And so he says, and uh, he says that, that he expects that he will be saved and he knows that God's spirit will, will help him. But so often we forget that. If we, we know him, we, we overlook that. We, we, we miss it. Do you remember that Where's Waldo books? Do you remember those? You could, you could look and the pages would be so filled with all kinds of things it would be really difficult to spot the little Waldo character. You keep looking, look, finally, there he is. He's right there. Now as believers, often we take the fact that we know Jesus, that we've been saved, and that the Spirit dwells with us, and that he helps us. We take that for granted. It's as if we, we look at, at the world, and it's just filled with this and that and this and that, and it distracts us. But what Paul is saying is that because I'm saved, because one day I'll stand before God, and when I stand before him, I'll be welcomed into the, the eternal kingdom, I'm going to be filled with joy. I'm going to rejoice. And so we too need to remind ourselves to focus on this great truth that we so frequently miss, that we so frequently take for granted. We, if we know Jesus, we have been saved and that changes everything for all eternity, no matter our circumstances. And we have the help of the Spirit. Let us not forget God's kind graces in our lives. Let us not overlook them in the midst of the difficulties and the hardships. So remember the gift of salvation and be grateful. If you know Jesus when troubles come, keep going back to the cross and saying, you know what? I've been saved. All this stuff may be going on, but I'm not going to miss this. I'm going to keep this in view. Another way to explain it is this. Often, parents are taken for granted. Even even uh, certainly as children, you know, we, we took our parents for granted. But even as adults, don't we sometimes take the kind of sacrifice and, and uh, willingness of our parents to serve? Don't we often take that for granted? Our parents never stop caring. They never stop serving. They never stop, they never stop pouring out their lives for us as long as they're able. And, and we forget that. We overlook that. Similarly, when we're saved, we so often forget that incredible grace that we've been shown. We, we, we can't do that, brothers and sisters. Be grateful for the gift of salvation. It leaves us asking another question. Have you been saved? You, you know, it's one thing to, to, to read the Bible and to come to church service and things like that, but it's a whole other thing to actually come to know Jesus. Have you really come to know him? Have you been saved? You see, the Bible tells us that God is pure, that he is absolutely clean, and that he can't accept any kind of impurity. Our problem is this, our hearts are impure. From, from the words that we say, from the behaviors that, that we do, from our attitudes, all of these things, our, our hearts are impure. Even the best among us, still hearts that are that are broken by sin. How do we, people who are broken by sin and who are separated from a God, who is absolutely clean. How do we with dirty hearts get into a relationship with Him? There's only one way. And the Scripture says that is because Jesus came, He left heaven, and He lived a perfect life here on earth. He was nailed to a cross and on that cross, he took the penalty that you deserve and that I deserve. He took that penalty upon himself. He took God's anger and wrath towards sin. Not anger and wrath that's misplaced, but anger and wrath because sin is ugly and awful and it tears people's lives up. So God hates it. And he took, he took the wrath that God has toward our sin upon himself. And he made a way for those of us with dirty hearts, with sinful hearts, to be clean and pure, and to be in a relationship with him, this doesn't happen automatically. it doesn't happen by by coming to church. it doesn't happen just by reading the Bible. It happens when we say to Jesus, "You know what i 've been going my own way, and I 'm done with that, Lord. I am putting my life in your hands I 'm putting my faith in you, And when we call out to Jesus like that, the Bible tells us that he saves us and he begins to shape us and change us, so as we reflect on the fact that, that Paul was rejoicing that he was saved. We need to ask the question, am I saved? And every single one of us must ask it. Because one day, every one of you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And on that day, there will be no, hey, I was was nice, I was good, I was sweet. There'll be none of that. You'll be standing before a God who is blazingly pure. Your only hope is that the blood of Christ has washed away every sin. The question is this, has it? Have you been saved? So as we think about how this applies in our lives, next, the Holy Spirit indwells you and helps you to follow Christ. If you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he helps you follow him. He's a counselor. He brings conviction for sin. Romans 8, 26 says this, in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses because we do not know what, we, what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. So the Spirit, when we don't even know what to pray, the Spirit of God within us calls out to God on our behalf. Isn't that amazing to think about? You're never alone if you know Jesus, ever. The Spirit of God helps. Next, you ought to pray for fellow believers to persevere and to be strengthened. Paul was counting on the prayers of these Philippians. Can your brothers and sisters in Christ count on your prayers? Let's pray for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly ones we know who are facing battles and struggles. Let's lift them up to the Lord. So we've seen that, that we make much of Jesus by taking joy in the salvation and the help that he gives. Second, to make much of Jesus, set your sights on loving him no matter the circumstances. Set your sights on loving him, no matter the circumstances. Look in verse 20. Paul says, my eager expectation and my, my hope, well, this is what I'm aiming for, that I will not be ashamed. So Paul's saying, I'm hoping and praying that I won't do anything that will, that will bring shame to the name of Jesus. I'm hoping and praying that that I have courage so that instead of backing down when I get an opportunity to share the gospel, I take it. I don't want to be ashamed of how I live. I don't want in any way to shrink down when it comes to living for Jesus. No, I want to boldly, he says here courageously in verse 20, uh, stand for the gospel. He says, I want him to be highly honored in my body, I want him to be exalted. So what was Paul's goal? That the way that he lived would never bring shame to the name of Jesus, but would always, always make the name of Jesus great so that people could see how good and incredible and awesome the Lord Jesus really is. Now notice what Paul says there at the end of verse 20, whether by life or by death. Remember that it was really a possibility that Paul would die. And and later, of course, he would for his faith. And so Paul's saying, if I if I live or if I die, I want my life, whichever way it goes, to bring him glory, to exalt him. If I live or if I die, then I want to be faithful all the way to the moment that I take my last breath. In verse 21, Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Now, do you want to know what Paul's purpose for living is? It's right there. To live as Christ, and if you know Jesus, friend, this is your purpose too. It's it's to love Jesus. It's to walk with Him. It's to be close to Him, not to know Him as a part time God that you kind of rely on when you're in trouble, not to know Him as as a, a one once a week Savior that you kind of kind of uh, kind of kind of cling to on a Sunday, but it's to love Him, day in and day out, moment by moment, to grow closer to Him. Paul said for to me. To live, it's Christ. It's to love Him. To make my life about Jesus. That's His purpose. He goes on to say, to live is Christ, but to die, it's gain. If I die, i got nothing to lose. They can take my life. I've got nothing to lose. In fact, if I die, it's going to be even better. Why? What was Paul looking toward? He was holding on to the promise that he had. That he would... When he died, go and be with Jesus in heaven. What an awesome and incredible thought for Paul. He, he, was, he was thrilled with the idea that, that he could go on living for Jesus or that if he died, that, that he would be with the Lord Jesus. Look in verse 22. He says, if I, if I live on in the flesh, this is going to mean fruitful work. In other words, if I keep going, then I'm going to be pouring my life. I'm going to be giving all that I am into serving Jesus. So, so if I do live, this is I'm putting my hands to the plow and I am moving ahead. But he says in verse 23, at the end of verse 22 there, I'm torn. I don't know what I should choose. On the one hand, I really just want to go and be with Jesus. It'll be incredible. But on the other hand, I want to, I want to labor and serve and pour my life out that, that more people might be saved. And so Paul is torn. He's really wrestling within himself. He, he says, I, I long to depart and just be with Christ. I know that's the best. That's the best option to just be in heaven with him. But in verse 24, he says, if I remain alive here in the flesh, it's going to be better for you Philippians. In other words, because if God keeps me here, I'm going to to continue to pour into you and to minister to you and to to help you grow in the faith. So so Paul says, if, if I live, it's going to be for your good. It's going to be for, for your blessing. And then in verse 25, he says, I'm persuaded of this, that God's going God's to gonna let me live and he's going to let me come to you and begin to minister among you. Now, it's not that Paul had had necessarily a supernatural revelation from God at this very moment. It's that as Paul thought about this and he realized that there was still a lot of work to be done among the Philippians, he was convinced that God would give him that opportunity. And so he says, I'm persuaded that that I'll come back. And what what would Paul's purpose be when he goes back? Well, he tells us right there in verse 25, so that the Philippians might progress in the faith. And notice that it's not just progress in the faith, but also for their joy. Now, this is really important. God's plan is for a person who knows Jesus to progress in the faith, to grow up and mature in the faith. It should be like this. Once we come to know Jesus, we ought to continue to mature and grow in the faith all the way until the day that he takes us home. There'll be some ups and downs, no doubt. We sin, we struggle, we, we fall. But, but the, the direction of our life ought to be one toward growing up. You know, we expect a kiddo, once they're born, to begin to grow and to mature. And, and if they don't grow and mature, then we begin to worry what, what's going on, that they're supposed to be hitting these milestones And what Paul is saying is this, I want you Philippians to continue to hit the milestones of Christian growth. I want you to mature. But notice that the progress leads to joy. What I I want us to understand is this. When we grow in our relationship with Jesus, the result of that, the consequences of that is that we have joy So so when we think of growing in Jesus, oh, I need to go to church. I guess I better read the Bible. Oh, it's crazy. No, I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to walk with him. I want to serve him. And as we do those things with the right heart, the Spirit produces within us a joy. It's the kind of joy that Paul had while he sat in prison. It's the kind of joy that you can have as you progress in your faith. Now, sometimes we like to, s- to think to ourselves, well, you know what? I'm not really growing, but I'm kind of just staying right here. But you know, Scripture really never allows for that. It's kind of like this. We're either progressing in our faith or we're regressing. And progressing brings joy. Regressing doesn't. It brings doubt, and it brings uh, uh, an uneasiness, a lack of peace. But that's not God's plan for us. It's progress. It's joy. And so Paul says in verse 26, you know what? When I come to you again, I'm I'm sure I'm going to get to. When I come to you again, I'm going to pour my life out and that's going to be a cause for you to boast in Christ because you'll say, you know what? Jesus set Paul free from prison so that he could come and minister to us so you'll be able to to boast and rejoice in in Christ and, and all that he's done. What we see in Paul is this, that his goal was to love Jesus no matter what. That's what his life was about, to live as Christ. There's an old country song that, that beautifully captures the love between uh, a, a couple of, of young people. Uh, many of you will remember the song, and some of you are too young uh, to know it, but it's called Love Me. Uh, a few of the lyrics uh, are this. I read a note my grandma wrote back in 1923. Grandpa kept it in his coat, and he showed it once to me. He said, boy, you might not understand, but a long, long time ago, Grandma's daddy didn't like me none, but I loved your grandma so. We had this crazy plan to meet and run away together, get married in the first town we came to and live forever. But nailed to the tree where we were supposed to meet instead, I found this letter, and this is what it said. If you get there before I do, don't give up on me. I'll meet you when my chores are through. I don't know how long I'll be. But I'm not going to let you down, darling. Wait and see. And between now and then, till I see you again, I'll be loving you. Love me. And what you see in the lyrics of this song is that the love between a husband and a wife is a picture of one of the deepest of loves. When, when a husband and a wife love each other as the Lord Jesus calls them to, That's a picture of a a deep and lasting love. And that's one of the closest pictures that we can get to the kind of love that we ought to have toward Jesus. But our love for Jesus ought to be even deeper. We ought to love him even more than, than, than we could love the love of our lives. We, we ought to love Him so deep. And in these lyrics, you see the echoes of, of this young love and this deep love between these two. And yet our love for Jesus should be greater still. Friend, I ask you, do you love Him? Do you love Him? Do you want to know Him? Is this, is this the point of your life that you might love Him with all that you are? With the love that's even deeper. And that between the best of marriages, between the best of of love, between a husband and wife. You see, that's what Paul's life was about, for to me to live is Christ. And it's what your life should be about if you know Jesus. So as we think about this in our lives, uh, are you letting the hard circumstances of life push you away from loving Jesus? Are you letting the hard circumstances of life push you away from loving Jesus? You see, life often throws things at us that we didn't plan, things that we would have never imagined, things that are bitter. Paul surely never planned to be in prison. In prison for preaching Jesus? But he was. And if you read Paul's story, it wasn't just that. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was left for dead. The list could go on. Are you letting the circumstances of life pull you away from the Lord? Friend, you must not do that. God's with you. He's with you in the tough circumstances. Don't, Don't let those things pull you away from him. Instead, say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I want to know you. I want my life purpose to be to love you, to make much of you. So Jesus, help me through these circumstances to keep holding on, to keep trusting that you'll be at work. That, that's, what, that's what Paul was doing. Next, ask the Lord to give you a longing to, to love Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're at a place where you just say, look, I, I just don't have that desire then ask him for that desire. Say to him, Lord, my my heart's chased after other things. I've lost interest. God, give me a new hunger for you, a new longing for you, a new desire for you. Surely that's the kind of prayer that God's eager to answer. Next, if you're going to ask the Lord to give you a desire, then do the kinds of things that will nurture that desire. Do the kinds of things that will help you love him more. For example, if a, if a young man is interested in a young woman, what does he do? He begins to try to connect, to try to pursue her. He, he begins to to uh, give her a call. Hey, you want to hang out or text? I, yeah, whatever you guys do nowadays, the young young people. Um, he he gives her a call and, and hey, you want to go do this? You, you want to hang out here and, and, and do this together? I, my wife and I had, had a date night and we sat and we kind of terrible, but there was a teenage couple right next to us, and it was just so strange. The whole time, they were on their phones, and I don't, they were, I guess maybe they were texting each other. Maybe they talked like three times. It was just really strange, but um, what what we see, um, what we see is that if we want to know Jesus more, we got to do the things that will help us love him more. What does that mean? That means every day taking time to read the word, to, to be with Him, to spend time with Him? How can we love Him if we never spend time with Him every day to spend good time in prayer? How how will we be close to Him if we never call out to Him and, and bring our needs to Him and praise Him? To spend time gathering with other believers in church, how will we love Him if, if we if we don't do that? That's one of the ways that He he enlivens our love for Him. How will we love Him more if we never serve Him, if we never pour our lives out in gratitude to Him? So So we need to do the things that that help us have a heart for Him. While we pray that He'll stir our heart and give us a greater desire. So we've seen first that to make much of Jesus, we need to take joy in the salvation that, that He's given. Second, that, that you need to set your sights on loving Him no matter the circumstances. And third, to make much of Jesus, serve Him until you take your last breath. Until you take your last breath, serve Him. And never lose sight of heaven. Never lose sight of heaven. Look in verse 22. Paul says if I live on it's going to mean fruitful work. Paul was committed to serving no matter what. Do you remember the video game Super Mario Brothers? Uh, Been several variations of that game through the years but back in the classic Mario and Luigi uh, were in the mushroom kingdom and they had to You had to go through all of these levels of this game. You go through this level, that level, dozens of levels it seemed like. And then eventually your goal was to fight Bowser and capture the princess. Now, originally I think her name was something like Princess Toadstool, but she got a a name change. Probably that was a good thing, and her name became Princess Peach. But your goal was to recognize this, or to save this princess. So you you go through this, you go through that level, you, you... do this, but this is really what you're focused on. our well, friends, in our lives, if we're not careful, we get focused on this and we get focused on that and this and that, but we forget this. We forget the reason we're here. We forget that the reason we're here is to love Him and to serve Him. Are you pouring your life into serving Him So be careful of the distractions. Don't let the distractions keep you from pouring your life out. As we reflect on this passage, we also ought to ask the question, are you progressing in the faith? God's plan is that all of us progress. Are you progressing? Another question we ought to ask is this, are you helping other people progress? That's what Paul was doing. Once you come to know Jesus, the goal is that you share the gospel with people and then you begin to disciple them and help them grow. Are, are you doing those things? Those things are going to keep you in love with Jesus. They're going to keep you on track. Remember, it's so easy to get distracted, but these are the main things. This is what we're really aiming for. And then as we reflect on this passage, we need to say that it is critical that we keep looking to the joy joy and the wonder that awaits us in heaven. That we keep looking to the wonder and the joy that awaits us in heaven. Paul, so long to be with Jesus. When you're suffering and struggling, maybe you're hurting physically, maybe you're hurting emotionally, and it's as if you say, I can't take another moment. Friend, will you remind yourself that one day, if you're in Christ, you'll have an eternity where none of that, none of that will be real. It'll all be gone. There's 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 hope there. And even in the here and now, God can sustain. He can help. I knew an, an older gentleman. He had served in the military uh, as a pilot, retired from the military and started working in commercial air piloting, retired from commercial air, started another job of training pilots, retired eventually from that job. And he was in his 80s when he moved from the big city to a small town, came and joined uh, a church that, that I was at. And when he and his wife joined, he, he, he came and he said, I want to serve. So what did he do? He jumped in. The team, the outreach team, the team that goes to visit people and share the gospel with people, jumped right in every, every Wednesday. You count He would be there. And not only that, he started visiting the nursing homes in town. And he would just go and visit people, not even people necessarily connected to our church. He would just go and find folks and visit with them. He led one elderly gentleman to the Lord. And he began to disciple them. He would go every week and, and he would pour his life into this gentleman, among other patients. And this gentleman, uh, he, he began to bring this fellow that he had led to Jesus to church on special occasions. He was, he was in a wheelchair. So it was a real serious undertaking to get him loaded up, to get him into church. And, and he would bring him uh, on, on, on special occasions. He was in his 80s. And he was given his all. Not only that, he started teaching the Sunday school class that met at the assisted living. So every week, every Sunday morning, he was out at the assisted living with a, with a good little crew of folks gathered around him. And he was sharing uh, the scriptures with them. And he, he would go and, and, and minister to, to those folks. He had time. He was, he was retired and he had time. And you know what he did? He recognized that his life, well, his life purpose, it was to make much of Jesus. And that's what he was doing. He didn't pull this, well, I'm getting older and so I need to retire. I've served my time. Sometimes I hear that, that wears me out. I've served my time. No, brother, if you have breath, you haven't served your time. Sister, if you have breath, you're not finished yet. Now, I recognize that health can, can be an issue. It can, it, can slow, it can slow you down. And because of your health, you may not be able to do this or to do that. But understand that if you have breath in your lungs and clarity of mind, then God wants to use you. He wants to use you. And He invites you to make your life about making Him known. Have you found this purpose in life? To love Jesus above all things. Live your life. To make much of Jesus. That's why you're here. That's that's why you're still here. It's your purpose. So do what you can. Your health may not allow you. Your circumstances may not allow you to to, to do this or to do that. But do what you can. Do do all that you can for for His glory, for, for His sake. Don't waste your life fretting your circumstances or chasing after lesser things. No, friends, let's tell Jesus we want to love Him and know Him. We want that to be our purpose. Some of you who are here today are not believers, and a crowd decides that just has to be the case. Today I want to I want to say to you, God's desire for you is that you call out to him and be saved. That today, that today you come to know him and that you become his child. How do you do that? You call out to him in faith. God, I've sinned. I'm putting my life in your hands. And when you call out to God and you mean that, He'll save you forever and ever and ever. And He'll give your life a new purpose. And that new purpose is to love Him and to make Him known. Join me in prayer.